0: A lot of colleges make a name for themselves through their academics or their sports, maybe sometimes through their arts. Hillsdale College, on the other hand, is planting its flag in a different arena—conservative Christian politics. Danny Hakim, reporter at The New York Times, was doing some research on the messiness that followed the 2020 election when he stumbled upon some information about Hillsdale that was new to him.
1: So at some point, I just plugged Hillsdale into the database I had of January 6th documents. And I was surprised to find that there was a, a connection between Hillsdale and some of the electors' issues.
0: Electors' issues. As in, the 16 fake electors in Michigan who tried to overturn the 2020 election. Today, we're looking at Hillsdale and its ties to the fake electors scheme. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Hillsdale is located near the cuff of the mitten. And while its current political leanings are conservative, the school has revolutionary
1: roots. Hillsdale was started uh, by abolitionists in the mid-1800s. It's evolved over the years, but in, in recent years, it's been a very conservative school that has a classical education and it's really emphasized the great books. Its administration particularly talks a lot about the principles of the American founding. And they see it through a very conservative lens.
0: Danny Hakem recently wrote about Hillsdale's conservative ties to the fake elector scheme in Michigan. And he said Hillsdale saw some big transformations after current college president Larry Arne took over in 2000.
1: Hillsdale was already a very conservative school when he took over, but it was a bit more libertarian in that era before Arne took over. He came from the the Claremont Institute, which is a very conservative think tank in California that he co-founded and was running at the time he was hired. And his brand of conservatism really comes from that model, which is a lot of skepticism of progressivism, to say the least, and, you know, concern about the administrative state, as he calls it. And it's that ethos that is really central to his personal philosophy. You know, he's brought a lot of that kind of Claremont kind of thinking to Hillsdale. And so you see a lot of people with that kind of ideology affiliated with the school now.
0: Yeah. You've reported on how a contingent of people within The Hillsdale College Network were tied to the 2020 fake elector plot in Michigan, which is currently the subject of, of legal investigation. There were 16 people who signed documents claiming that they were among Michigan's electors pledged to Donald Trump, when in fact they were not empowered by the law to act as electors. But before all that happened, I want to get to all that, but let's lay a little groundwork first and talk about what Hillsdale's president, Larry Arne, and its legal counsel, Robert Norton II, were doing in late November of 2020. You describe a phone call that Larry Arne and Robert Norton II and a Hillsdale alum named Ian Norton. That ultimately involved Rudy Giuliani acting on behalf of the Trump campaign. I mean, is there anything inherently wrong about being on the phone with the Trump campaign in the weeks after the election?
1: Oh no, I don't. I don't don't think that call itself there's anything illegal about it. I and that call, so that call was described. Aspects of that call were described in the the testimony that Ian Northen gave to the House. Again, Ian Northen is a Hillsdale alum who also does legal work for the college. Um, He's an outside lawyer who does legal work, has done legal work for the college. And in Michigan, he's probably best known because he was outside the Capitol on December 14th with several of these Trump fake electors when they were trying to get inside the Capitol building and the security at the Capitol wouldn't let them in. It was Ian Northen who was the lawyer who was trying to help them get access to the Capitol. Right.
0: We now know that Rudy Giuliani wasn't just talking to the group from Hillsdale, nor was he the only one working the phones. Court documents have shown us that officials with the Trump campaign and with the Republican National Committee we coordinating meetings with these people who were not duly appointed electors for Michigan, but who signed documents saying that they were. Donald Trump himself called election overseers in Wayne County and urged them not to certify votes. In what ways were Larry Arn and Robert Norton active in public? What kind of statements were they making on conservative media at the time?
1: Well, I think the main connection point for Norton, Bob Norton, again, he's the general counsel of the college, was that in the House testimony, Laura Cox, who's the former head of the Michigan Republican Party, describes getting a call from Norton in mid-December of 2020 and being told by Norton that these fake Trump electors are planning to sneak into the Capitol, which which is the entry to the Capitol at that point was restricted because of the pandemic. But he told her there was a plan to sneak into the Capitol at the time and sleep overnight so they could cast the votes on December 14th. Now, just to be clear, through the college, Norton has disputed aspects of what Laura Cox has said, but she's described this conversation in her testimony to the House She repeated it to me in an interview, and she also repeated it again under oath at a pretrial hearing for several of the electors in Michigan last month. And so she said she was really taken aback that, you know, there was some kind of plot to sneak in electors, many who were elderly, overnight into the Capitol and thought that was a, a terrible idea. And it's kind of an unusual situation because you have a lawyer for a college calling the head of the Republican Party in the state and telling her that there's this plan to sneak Republican electors into the Capitol. So she was really taken aback by that. Now, just to be clear, the college has disputed Cox's testimony and, and said that Norton doesn't know where Cox is getting this idea that he told her there was some kind of plan to sneak the, the electors into the Capitol. She is stuck by her testimony. She even repeated it last month during a pretrial hearing in Michigan. She repeated it to me in an interview as well.
0: Yeah. So your story paints a picture of this cascading series of phone calls that Robert Norton and Ian Norton were making. It's, it's a little unfortunate their names are so similar, but they're not uh, not related. There were phone calls made to state legislators and to then Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky. To what extent have you been able to find out if Larry Arnn was involved in any of this, the Hillsdale president?
1: I think Larry Arne was not—I mean, he was aware of what his general counsel was doing, or he had some kind of knowledge of what his general counsel was doing, because he referred to it in some public comments he made around that time. You know, he said his general counsel's hair was going gray, talking to the legislature and giving them advice. So he had some kind of knowledge. I, I don't know the full extent of what his knowledge was. He did say publicly that he thought Michigan had been stolen, I asked the college if he had any evidence to back that up, but I didn't hear back on that point. But, you know, significantly, I think, you know, Arne has always been much closer to Mike Pence than to Trump. And during this period, he was providing some counsel to Pence. I mean, he counseled Pence on January 5th, the day before January 6th. And he supported Pence's decision, ultimately, not to go along with the elector plan.
0: We need to take a break. When we come back...
1: A number of alumni said they were disturbed by how much the school's administration was tying the school to Donald Trump.
0: That's in a minute.
1: Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org.
0: Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Danny, you spent some time on these conversations between then-Vice President Mike Pence and Larry Arnn, the president of Hillsdale. What was the difference between things that Larry Arnn was saying in public and what he said to Pence about what he should do?
1: Well, I'm not sure if there were differences between what he was saying in public and private, because he described these conversations with Pence in some public settings. So he has said publicly that he was counseling Pence about this. And I've confirmed that with Pence's staff as well. So his account has been that he was supportive of Pence and and the decision he ultimately made.
0: Charges are pending against 15 of the people who Michigan's Attorney General Dana Nessel says signed on as fake electors. One of them, of course, has been cooperating with prosecutors. Do we know whether investigators are done with Robert Norton, Hillsdale's general counsel, and Ian Northen, the alumni who's, who's done work for the school?
1: Here's what we know. So the Attorney General Dana Nessel charged all 16 of these people who acted as Trump electors last July. In October, she dropped charges against one of those electors, a man named James Renner, who agreed to cooperate. I was able to obtain the interview that the Attorney General's Office investigators did with Renner. And during that interview, one of the investigators shows him a photograph of Bob Norton, Hillsdale's general counsel. So clearly, the attorney general's office has some interest in Norton. I don't really know much more than that. The attorney general's office, when it comes to Ian Norton, he has been described as an uncharged member of the conspiracy. This was during a a pretrial hearing the last month when he was described that way. So these are definitely people who have come up in the attorney general's investigation her office has said it's still an open investigation. There could be further charges. You know, I would just want to reiterate, you know, what the college has said is that all of this is overblown, that Norton's role has been miscast. They've disputed the testimony of both Laura Cox and Mike Shirkey, and maintained that their people have done nothing wrong.
0: Would you expect Larry Arn or maybe other folks who are on staff at Hillsdale and his administration, would you expect them to play any role in this year's presidential campaigning or beyond maybe November of twenty
1: twenty four? Well, Larry Arne tends not to endorse during the primaries. He's been very close to Ron DeSantis and DeSantis has brought in Hillsdale people or used Hillsdale people to help in his reinvention of the Florida education system. That's been a controversial topic in Florida and beyond. So DeSantis is certainly very close to Hillsdale. He's even said that he'd prefer to hire a Hillsdale alum to alumni of his own alma mater, Yale. So he's been very close to the college. But Larry Arnold doesn't tend to endorse during the primary. He did endorse Donald Trump Once he was the nominee in 2016, he certainly does get involved in politics, but not typically not during primary season.
0: You wrote a bit about what some people who are involved in Hillsdale, some of its staff or faculty, have been making the focus of their research and work that they've done that might lay groundwork for a future Republican administration. Can you explain what you learned about that?
1: Sure. I mean, there's there's already a good bit of planning going on, you know, in Republican circles about staffing and policy plans for the next administration, which obviously, you know, a lot of them hope will be a Trump administration. And what I found was there were a number of people connected to the college who are playing, you know, key roles in making that come about and advancing that planning.
0: What kinds of planning are we talking about here?
1: Well, it's both on the staffing end. So obviously when you have a new administration come in, you know, you have to build a staff. And the quicker you can do that, the more effective you can be. And then then also on the, the policy end, you know, one of the important priorities the Trump people have had is to remove civil service protections from thousands of government officials and replace them with loyalists. And there's a Hillsdale alum who's really central to that policy plan.
0: In your reporting, did you run across anybody at Hillsdale who maybe doesn't approve of connections with Trump and the possibility of a future Trump administration?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the most interesting things about the reporting to me was it's not even running across. They, they started coming to me like a, a number of alumni came to me when they heard about my reporting from friends or through social media. And they approached me and said they were disturbed by how much the school's administration was tying the school to Donald Trump. You know, in, in some cases, they said they felt it cheapened their diploma. So, you know, I heard from a number of of students who felt that way. And and that by no means represents the entire student body. I don't want to suggest that. But there's certainly a faction that felt that way and were very Mm -hmm. vocal letting me know about it. To understand the college, you know, it's a liberal arts school, you know, with about 1,600 students, right? But it's more than just a normal college. It's got a whole charter school program where it provides curriculum and training to to charter schools around the country. It provides free courses, many of which are are very politically tinged, that anybody can get. It's developing land in California near Sacramento, and there's a lot of question about what they're going to do with that. Are they going to potentially build a new campus there? It's more than just a simple college. It's involved in a lot of things beyond it's beyond Michigan's borders. And that's part of the reason I was interested in writing about it. And also it has a a business model that is built around fundraising because it doesn't accept federal aid. So it really has to fundraise very aggressively. And that strategy is predicted on predicated, I should say, on stoking outrage. So, you know, a lot of the things they sent out to their email list, you know, warn of like, you know, some things I referenced in the story were like a Marxist-inspired critical race theory and emerging corporate socialist totalitarianism. These are the kinds of things you'll see in their, their email blasts that they send out and that help them raise money. And that's part of what some alumni were a little uncomfortable with, that that kind of thing was being done. I mean, one one alumni who was a former valedictorian sent me a link to a fundraising pitch that cited a free college course on Dante. And this pitch sort of warned that the Biden administration is trying to force critical race theory into, you know, school curricula. And, you know, her point was that, you know, her professors didn't say anything about reading Dante to own the libs. And she kind of felt like that was the message you know, that was being put out there. And and I heard this from a lot of alumni that, you know, the message that's put out nationally by the college and it's fundraising doesn't match their experience in school, which was a good one. I mean, what I heard even from alumni who were aggrieved is that they liked the classical education they got at the school. What they were concerned about is the politicization of the school and what that was doing to the reputation of the school.
0: Danny Hakem is a reporter with the New York Times. You can read his story about Hillsdale College at the Times website. Danny, thank you so much.
1: Okay, thanks a lot, appreciate it.
0: That's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Baer. You can find full episodes of our show at michiganpublic.org. Today's podcast was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabensag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our interns are Olivia Meridian and Lauren Neon. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thank you so much for listening. Stay warm out there. We'll catch up with you tomorrow.